Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Is anybody excited? God is amazing. Hallelujah. It is such a beautiful thing to see what God is doing in all of these different countries around the world. I'm excited about that, and I'm excited that the Live Church is being a part of what you're seeing there. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me one more time as we read the word of the Lord? Sister Anel so beautifully brought that verse to us, and I want to share it with you again today from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. And it says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. And there are many adversaries. But the great thing is that a great and effective door is open. How many believe in that open door today? With the Lord's help for the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you about this question. What's on the other side of your door? Amen. You may be seated. It's an incredible thing when God opens a door. Amen. Anybody ever experienced an open door in your life? Isn't it it amazing when God opens a door? But the question is, what will we do? When he opens that door. And the Lord just kind of was leading me and talking to me for several weeks now. Acts chapter 10, that fellow named Cornelius. Roman centurion in Caesarea. The Bible says that he was a devout man and he feared God and he gave alms and he prayed to God always. And he had been praying he was saying, God, I need to know what to do. Isn't that a great question? God, I I just need to know what to do. And so what happens? God sends him an angel in the vision. And this angel appears to him and he says, Okay, Cornelius, you've been praying to God. You've been asking what to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to send some men to a city called Joppa. And there you're going to find a man by the name of Simon Peter. He will tell you what you must do. Not an angel, but a man sent by God. And so this great, incredibly great big door was about to open up. But God needed a man. To go through that door. So at the same time as Cornelius is praying, he says, okay, all right, I I get it. You want me to send? So he sends people down to Joppa. So these men are headed their way to Joppa, and Simon Peter is praying in Joppa. About the same time that these men are headed to his house where he's staying, the Bible says he was hungry. Amen. Well, anybody hungry today? We got taste of the nations right after service today. Hallelujah. Praise God. But while he was waiting on that, he decided to go pray, waiting for lunch to be ready. And the Bible says he falls into a trance. And he sees this great big 
like a sheet let down. And there's inside of the sheet are all kinds of animals, wild beasts, creeping things and birds. And then a voice speaks out to Peter and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, if you heard God speaking to you in an audible voice, I mean, what would you're sure, Lord, right? You know what he said? Not so, Lord. Another in American English, no way. No way are you going to get me to do this. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And then the voice speaks out again. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And so he did, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, Lord. This goes against everything that I'm comfortable with. Three times he had to get on to him to find, what are you trying to tell me, God? And God tells him. He says, there's three men that are coming looking for you. Arise and go downstairs because they're almost at the door. And when they get, you're to go with them. Don't doubt anything I have sent them. So right then, just about that time when God gets done dealing with Peter, trying to convince him, you know, that, yeah, this really is me and this is what I want you to do. Somebody knocks on the door and lo and behold, there they are. So Peter says, well, I guess this is God. What this is what God wants me to do. So I mean, I'm going to have to do it. And so the next morning, Peter and the brethren, some of his brethren, head to Caesarea with them. They get to Cornelius' house, and I'm kind of just adding a little bit of Steve Nicks into the here. But I think maybe he stopped right before, you know, he went through because here's, here's Cornel- the door to Cornelius' house. And, and he knows he's got to go in, but he's saying, man... I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. But I'll tell you what, Peter still had no idea what was about to happen on the other side of that door. He was still thinking, I'm going to do this because God made me do this, but yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. And so he walks through the door and he tells him, the first thing he tells him, he walks in and he says, by Moses' law, I shouldn't even be in this house. It's not even lawful for me to be in here with all you people. Uh, but God made me do it. So here I am inside your house. So why did you call me? Why did you bring me here anyway? And so Cornelius begins to share the vision. He begins to say, I'm hungry for God. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been giving. I've, been, I've done everything I know to do. But it just seems like there's something missing. And, and, I, and God sent an angel. But the angel wouldn't even tell me. He told me to bring you here. So that's why I brought you here. Because I need somebody to tell me what to do to be saved. Hallelujah. And Peter is shocked at this tremendous great revelation that just begins to dawn on him. And he really, God is no respecter of persons. 
I can't believe this. I would have never dreamed it in a million years, but it looks like God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. I thought it was just for us Jews, but oh, I'm seeing that there's something different. Something is, and began to preach to him. And he said, well, I can't help it. I, I know y'all aren't Jews. I know you're Gentiles, but God sent me here and God must be in this. And so I, I, I just got to tell you, let me preach to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that while he was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell in that Gentile house on Cornelius, on his household, on everyone is there, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. And everybody is so astonished, so shocked. They're, they're like speechless. And Peter's thinking, well, that just happened. Sure didn't see that coming. Hallelujah. But isn't it great when God just pours out his spirit? Hallelujah. Sometimes when we least expect it and, and God's presence just begins to move. Amen. And his spirit is out. And so Peter said, well, that just happened. So might as well go for broke here. Can anybody forbid water? These should be baptized who received the Holy Ghost just like we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. Wow, what an exciting day. And just as he feared, Peter got called on the carpet. <laughs> had to go to Jerusalem, and he had some explaining to do. And the apostles and the brethren, they asked for an explanation. You went into some uncircumcised men. You went through their door. You actually went and you ate with them. How dare you? <laughs> Peter began to explain to him. He said, well, you see, it was like this. I was praying, and God let this sheet down, and he told me not to call stuff that was common and unclean and what God had cleansed. And, and I went because God told me I had to go, and I, I didn't want to go, but God made me do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> And they began to explain how God, had, they, they got, folks, you got to hear me, apostles. They got the same gift we did. Hallelujah. The same Holy Ghost that we received. They got it just like, how do I know? I heard them speak in tongues just like we did when we got it. So who was I? What could I do? How, what else could I do? Who was I to withstand God? The Bible said when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, well, God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Hallelujah. What am I trying to say, Life Church? We have this power in our hands. What are we going to do with it? Because there is an open door to the harvest. It's been said several times already today, but I, I want to challenge us today to walk through the door that God sets before you. You have no idea what God can and will do if you dare to obey the voice of the Lord. And I believe with all my heart, and I'm not a prophet, but I believe that God is fulfilling the prophecy that he gave through the prophet Zechariah. He said, and many 
nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. I believe we're in that day. Many nations will be joined to the Lord and shall be my people and I will dwell in the midst of thee and, I'll sh and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. I'm telling you, we have such a tremendous liberty in this country. There are countries where that kind of liberty is not so free. Where baptizing someone in Jesus' name is a death sentence. Several years ago, Sister Nix and I were in Cairo, Egypt, and I had the opportunity to preach, but it was a clandestine service behind closed doors, like and there was a couple there that responded and they wanted to be baptized but they knew that if they did their family would disown and denounce them what a tremendous freedom we have here today to reach out and touch people's lives there's been a, an incredible open door of harvest in Nicaragua during the 26 years that we served there and I'm thankful for the thousands that have received the Holy Ghost during those years. But I got to tell you, when God opened the door for us originally to go to Nicaragua, I really did not know what was on the other side of that door. I, I was really clueless of what God was going to do and what would be involved. We hadn't been in Nicaragua more than a couple of years Whenever I had the occasion to find for myself that Psalm 46 verse 1 is true, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear? They'd invited me to visit this church up in the mountains called Posasul, and there was only one way in, one way out. So I drove our, our moved the mission vehicle as far as we could go on the road and parked and got out and we hiked clear over this mountain and got up to where the service was and God moved in a powerful way. I mean, it was an amazing service. As pastor said, it was fuego. Hallelujah. It was fire. Nobody wanted to go home. Everybody just kept on singing and worshiping and praising God and people were filled with the Holy Ghost and the devil was mad. He didn't like that one little bit. We hiked all the way back down the mountain. It was pitch black out. We finally got to our car and we loaded up again. We started down this narrow little road. And all of a sudden, a half a mile down the road, we came on this huge pile of rocks. Said, what in the world? That wasn't there when we came in here this afternoon. And I started to get out of the car and go over to the rocks to see what in the world and how we was going to get around them to go on the rest of the way our home. But just as I was about to climb out of the car, the pastor sitting beside me in the front seat, he began to shout, Brother Dex, don't get out. It's an ambush. And then a whole gang of people leaped out from behind those rocks, waving machetes and weapons and something. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm in so much trouble. Hallelujah. But you know, God is a very present help in the time of need. 
And I say, God, you're going to have to help us. You're going to have to get us out of this. I don't know what to do. And thank God that our Move the Mission vehicle was four-wheel drive. I threw that thing in a four-wheel drive and popped the clutch, and there was no way to go straight ahead. So I leaped across the ditch into a cornfield, and I began to race down the cornfield. I don't know how many of those corn stalks we plowed down. Amen. But I tell you, they were chasing after us. Oh, God, don't let them catch us. Don't let them catch us. You know what? They did not catch us. God had a way of taking us through it. God was a very present help in a time of need. Fast forward to the year 2018. There was an uprising in Nicaragua. It was a time of great fear much death was happening. There were literally snipers in the streets that the government had placed out there. People were marching. There was like 10,000 mothers marching down the main highway of Managua into town, simply asking the government to release their children that had been arrested from their college campus protest. They put sharpshooters along the sides of that highway and mowed them down in cold blood. There was one family business not too far from our headquarters church that they had been asked to cooperate with the authorities putting down this uprising. They weren't willing to do so, and so they came in the middle of the night. They, uh, the family had the business on the ground floor. They lived upstairs. They came and they chained the doors to their house with chains and padlocks. Then they proceeded to set the mattress factory on fire. Six of those family members were burned alive behind chain doors. I saw people that were doused with gasoline and set on fire. And it was a crime in those weeks and months to even wave the national flag. I was woken in the middle of the night during all of this, hearing a huge explosion. And one block from our house, they had bombed a building. And their, their crime was that they had helped the protesters. I came to church that next Sunday morning after all of this would happen. There were armed roadblocks set up one block from the church building. And I'll never forget it until the day I die. In that service with all of the massive bloodshed and loss of life and fear and everything that was pervading the atmosphere of, of Nicaragua at the time. The people of God, the people of the name began to sing that old song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. How could they sing that in the midst of all of that? You see, Paul told the Corinthians, there's a great and effective door that is open. And there are many adversaries, but the door is still open. Little did I know what we would face 28 years ago when we walked through the door in Nicaragua. During all of this, sometime a little bit later, I was, involved, I was invited to preach a men's conference in the Didiamba Mountain District. This was during the uprising, and as a foreigner, I asked myself, do, should I go 
or should I stay home because I'm a foreigner here in the middle of all this uprising going on? What I do, but I, I just felt that that's what God wanted me to do. So we loaded up and we got to this outdoor event center with huge concrete bleachers on both sides of the stage. And hundreds of men had gathered there to worship God and to seek his face. But not only that, but along the top of all the bleachers on both sides, they were ringed with police officers with AK-47s lining the bleachers. They were there for our protection. Very intimidating atmosphere. How am I going to preach in this kind of act with all of this going on and with all of these officers up here with AK-47s just kind of, you know, every time they move, one of them would point my way a little bit. And I'd, oh, God. And if that wasn't enough, during the message, a demon-filled man ran out, started running towards the platform, screaming at the top of his lungs. I think, well, Lord, now what do I do? But you know something? A spirit of boldness just came over me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I said, I am not letting any devil stop the ministry of this word. I commanded that devil to stop right there in Jesus' name. And that's exactly what happened. And by the end of that service, 50 men were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, including the guy that had been filled with the devil, was now filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's nothing that God can't do in the most challenging of situations. During this same uprising, I had a vision in the night. I found myself downstairs in the kitchen in this vision. I heard a sound and I turned around and there was a man standing three feet from me with his arms stretched out with a revolver in his hand. And I thought, is, is this how it all ends for me? I just, just couldn't believe that God was finished yet with me. But, oh, well, Lord, my throat was constricted and I, I tried to call out, but you know how it is. Sometimes your, your, your voice just kind of locked up. But finally I got it out and I said, in Jesus' name. And when I got those words out of my mouth, the man instantly with the gun, he instantly vanished. And I woke up in my bed upstairs. Well, that night I set my audio Bible to play and it played scriptures for the rest of the night. The next morning, I got, I got my Bible out, and I wrote something out, and I posted it right on the refrigerator, right next to where I was standing in that vision. And it goes like this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. He shall surely deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings, hallelujah, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler and you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. And from that moment forward, 
the fear was gone. Sometime much later, and I'm coming to a close here, I received an international phone call. It was an individual that was deeply concerned for our safety. In fact, he was so concerned that not only did he call me, he called my regional director, Brother Schwartz. And not only Brother Schwartz, he called my general director, Brother Bruce Howe. He said he had had a dream. And in his dream, he saw our house invaded and men in camouflage uniforms with automatic weapons shot up our front door, burst into the house. And he saw in the dream that we were all massacred in our home. And he said, you, you, you got to flee now. You got to drop everything and leave Nicaragua now. It troubled me. I'll confess that much. But I also knew what God had promised. He had led me through the door into Nicaragua, and I could not go back out that door until he released us. We took precautions, but we stayed until God released us. And I'm telling you, I don't know what's on the other side of your door, but I do know something. When God sends you through a door, hallelujah, he's going to be there for you. He's going to help you. Whatever you have to face, whatever challenges, whatever it costs, hallelujah, I can stand and tell you I'm a living witness that God will be with you every step of the way. And because of the life church the last two years, God has opened an incredible new door for us. As I mentioned in the vision casting during 36 years of being missionaries, we poured ourselves into training, training national pastors and students to reach the nations. And now that dream lives on because of the life church. Hallelujah. We've been able to focus now on national leaders, the teachers who will train future generations of pastors and leaders throughout Central South America. If we could get the musicians to come, please. And the Lord has allowed us to come alongside these leaders in many different nations of Central and South America. And it's been incredibly fulfilling. If you'd told me several years ago that after being retired from global missions, that such an incredible door would open during retirement, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it. In fact, I fought retirement because I just, being a missionary, that's who I am. That's me. That's all I know is being a missionary. And, and if I stop being a missionary, then what? And then the life church happened. And this has been the, the most incredible two years of our life, being able to work and serve among you and to be sent by you to continue to do something for the kingdom of God. So I ask you again in closing, what's on the other side of your door? There is something you can do for the kingdom of God. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. Well, there are people and nationalities and ethnic groups right here that can be reached. There are disciples to be made. The choir sang it so beautifully today. Can you hear the sound? Can you hear the sound? It's the heartbeat of God. Can you hear his voice saying, go, pray, give, give.
Show them he's the only way to be saved. Jesus is his name. Will you stand with me this morning? What did Zechariah say? And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. And I say, that day is today. Hallelujah. And they shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee. And I'll, they you'll know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. There's a door for each one of us. Don't be afraid of it. You say, well, after that story you told, I'm not so sure I want to go through <laughs> Like I said, I didn't know what was on the other side of there. I had no idea what was there. But I can look back, I can tell you, God was there. God was in it. And God has done amazing, great things. I want to challenge this church today. Don't fear the door that God has placed in your life. You say, I don't know what's on the other side of your It doesn't matter what's on the other side. God's there. God will be there. Embrace it. So I invite you today. These altars are open. I invite you to step out and move towards this altar. And as you take those steps forward, you're moving toward your door. Can you do it? Oh, hallelujah. It's the heartbeat of God. Oh, what a beautiful thing. The heartbeat of God reaching out and touching someone else. And you can do that today. I don't know what your door looks like. It's different for each one of us. But there is a door for you. And I can't wait to see you walk through that door today. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our voices before the Lord? Can we lift our hands? Hallelujah. As our praise team comes to lead us again in worship, can you lift your hands right now? Can you say to the Lord, God, you're in this. I feel something tugging at my heart. And God, I'm saying, if you open the door, I will walk through the door. I don't know what it means, Lord. I don't know what's ahead. I can't begin to explain it all, but God, I place my trust in you. Oh, let's worship him this morning. Hallelujah. The Lord is here. Hallelujah. His voice is tugging at each of our lives. There's a call for you. There's a call for you today. There's a door that is opening in each of our lives today. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to lift that hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. And surrender to him and say, Jesus, here I am. I don't know what it all means yet, but Lord, I'm here. And I'm willing, oh, Lord. I'm willing, Lord. I hear the sound. I hear the sound, oh, Lord. And I want to say yes. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.